Welcome back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome back to the Kettleman You Podcast. I am so excited for this episode. I have watched Laura on social media for a long time, and I know she's been through a lot of trials lately. I admire how much she pushes towards the positive and how much she relies on God, and I just love this episode. She really gives an idea about bringing a child back into the operation, which is a unique perspective because I am a child in an operation. And so she talks about her boys and how to involve them and what that looks like and how her husband and her are sort of transitioning and doing things a little bit different. It's just a great episode. I hope you guys settle in, really enjoy what she has to say. I think she is incredible, and I just loved all these nuggets of wisdom that she shared as the generation above me and as looking at stewarding the land and prepping it for the next generation. So thanks again for listening to the Cattle You Podcast. We are back on the Cattleman You podcast today, and we have a special guest with us, someone that I have followed on social media for a long time. We have Laura joining us. Thanks for being here. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Laura Hicks, and I am in western South Dakota, southwestern South Dakota. Uh, We are down on the Pine Ridge Reservation, and we have been here. Um, My husband's been here his whole life. I've been kind of in and out of this area, but in the cattle industry since... Before I was an apple in my dad's eye. Perfect. Um, Do you guys run a cow-calf operation? Tell me a little bit about your operation. We do. We run, um, we have a split operation actually is what we found works best for us. We have fall calvers and we have spring calvers. We're predominantly spring, but we have, you know, a good enough size fall calvers that it works for us to take those calves at a different time to maximize an off-season market for us in this area. Uh, we were one of the first to actually start doing that in our area, and now it's grown to quite a bit. So there's quite a few more fall calvers hitting the market in June with our calves at the same time, which is kind of nice because now there's an actual set of calves to go when we go. Yeah, absolutely. Talk a little bit about your role on the operation and some of the things that are either you know daily tasks that you do or kind of what piece you're accountable for on your guys' operation. So my husband and I have done this since um, I was uh, 18. We've been together and ranching together since then. We started from scratch on his, it was his parents' place, but through, you know, the 80s and stuff, it unfortunately was gone. And so we started buying it back. And so the day-to-day operations for me from the get-go have been everything, to be perfectly honest. I don't know how to say that any different way. The business side of it, the horseback side of it, the cooking side of it. I've actually teased my husband one time, uh, our kids were a little older, and I said, can I just not ride today at Branding? I love to ride. I've been horseback since before I could sit up on my own. But I said, is there any chance I could not ride? I'm cooking for 50 people today. It'd be nice to not have to ride today. And he said, no, you have to ride. I won't know what to do if you're not there to yell at so that everybody else will do what I'm saying. So yeah, it's pretty much everything from feeding, doctoring calves when needed, 
um, pretty much everything. I can't think of anything I really don't do, honestly. I, I don't cook as well as I should. I don't clean very well. And I, I hate doing books. Absolutely despise doing the books. Do you still do the books or have you outsourced that? We have actually outsourced them. I did them for years and I'm not really very good at it. And I was always late getting our taxes in and getting everything done. And finally, I just said this made more sense to pay someone that was good at it to do than suffer through it. Yeah, actually, the call I had right before this podcast, I was talking to Jessica from Nebraska, and we were talking about the little elements of corporate America that we feel that the ranching world could really benefit from. And one of them was considering outsourcing some item. You know, it might take us 20 hours a month to do the books correctly, and we might need to pay someone for three or five hours. And a few of those things from the corporate America world that we really felt that ranchers could implement and should consider. And that is one thing we talked about. And there's a lot of people in your same shoes. They come home or they're first generation and they get tasked with the books and they don't enjoy it and they don't know how to do it. And it can be quite a point of contention in how that looks. And so if you remember the conversation that you had about starting to consider outsourcing the books. Do you remember what that conversation sounded like in your house? Um, actually, my husband was super supportive of it because when we first started, this is how old we are, just to give you an idea, we were doing it in a handwritten ledger for years. And then I started in on the computer and Mike was just overwhelmed by the computer. He still doesn't use any kind of computer. He still has a flip phone. So when I mentioned that I really thought it would be a good idea to outsource that, he was all for it, all for it. Yeah, and I think that's pretty powerful because I know there's someone listening to this podcast who has not mentioned something because they already assume the way the conversation's gonna go. And they could be, you know, the person that they're talking to could be just like your husband. That's a great idea. If this was your task, you don't feel like you should can do it to the level we need now. And so I think you know, even though he didn't put up any kind of argument, I think that's still a great thing to mention because there are people who are afraid to bring up something like outsourcing or paying for a training for them or something because they already assume that they know what the answer is going to be. And I do fight a little bit of that in our family um, because he comes from a family all, of all ranchers as well. And so a lot of tradition is handed down, right? And do the same thing. And my son and I, we he our oldest son ranches with us as well and drives truck we have a trucking business on the side because you know ranchers you have to have a thousand irons in the fire to keep things going and we were just talking about that today how a lot of times he'll say mom someone asked me why we do this and i can't even tell them i just know it's the way we've always done it and the way they did it before and the way they did it before we're really working on that in our family lately because we have two adult sons and our first grandson and we're trying to make a better effort of why do we do this? Just even for ourselves, like, why are we doing this? If it's just because, you know, dad and grandpa and uncles did it, let's see why they did it before we continue on down that path. Yeah, one of my best comebacks to that is when I talk to someone about bidding their calves or something, and they'll say, well, my dad says that two steer calves should be a new pickup, or, I, you know, they'll say something. And I said, well, dollar for dollar, would you like me to pay you what your dad made? Because I'm happy to go back in the records and figure out what his calves brought in the 1970s and write you a check for that amount per pound. 
And typically they'll say, no, 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 because things have changed. And I said, okay, so if things have changed, so should the things today. We can't hold on to something if the process or some of the behavior in between has changed. And I think you bring up a good point. So do you have an example of something that you guys have been talking about that maybe has kept the same that you're considering changing or tweaking a little bit? Well, we have always done haying like a certain way. We've custom hayed for people and and we ran cattle for other people. We did things this way and it's just how everybody got by. It's how Mike's dad did it. It's how we did it. And we have just in the last few years implemented that it was better for us to actually consolidate down and just put up our own hay. It's not a big difference, but it's a time difference for us. And the time we save and the, and the expense we save on going out and putting other people's hay up and taking that on shares, we can actually invest that into buying hay instead of putting that time and, and finances into it. It's a little thing. I know a lot of people would be like, oh, it's just hay. It's a big deal in the time thing. We're realizing the older we get, the time is more valuable than we give it credit for. It's a lot more valuable. And we can use it for other things, but we can also enjoy life a little bit. We have worked so hard our whole lives. And I, I don't say that as a yay me. We've we've gone overboard, both of us. And um, we taught that to our children almost to an extreme and that we don't ever play. And we're realizing with the things going on in our life right now that playing is actually an okay thing for ranchers. We need to make time for it. It's good for our soul. Absolutely. It seems like if a rancher takes a vacation, everyone's like, whoa, what went wrong? Why do you need to leave the ranch for a little bit? And we are designed by God to Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And we have a hard time because we use the excuse of live animals. We cannot take a break because something has to eat. And I think that that's such a quick path. One, I think what you said about your children is right. My dad raised us kids to be workers. And people ask him all the time, how did you end up with kids that work so hard? And my dad's like, we didn't have a choice. Like they had to get on board or we weren't going to eat, you know, like we, they just learned to work. I needed their labor. And I mean, we were, we would have eaten, but you know what I mean? We, in ranching, we teach our kids this like really hard drive and work ethic, which everyone loves. But I think it's really easy, two things, to do it, to overdo it. And also to be busy without purpose. And I think it's, easy for us to say, oh, I'll drive through and check the cows or, oh, I'm going to walk around and fiddle with this piece of equipment. All of a sudden we're three or four hours in and we're like, well, we're on salary, whatever. You know, it's, it was the time already wasted. Like we don't, time to farmers and ranchers is not the same time that everyone else looks at it. I agree. I fully agree. And I think a lot of times we don't value our own time enough to actually have the purpose, like you said. There's a lot of that, but I also see some of it, at least in my own family, where we stay so busy as a coping mechanism sometimes. Uh, it's just the way we deal with things. If you're so busy, you just don't have time to think about anything else. And so just work hard and put your nose down. And there's a lot of glorification in that, in our industry, the harder you work, you know, it's just the better you are. And 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 I, I agree with hard work. I'm so proud of how, that our kids have work ethic. I could not be more proud of our kids. But I also, they don't know how to play very well. We're now, as adult children, having to show them, like, it's okay to take some time off. I'm sorry that we always told you there was never. And it is hard with animals. There's no doubt about it. And we are in a completely ranching community. Everyone ranches around here. So 
to find someone else to cover for you while you're gone is challenging for all of you to be gone at the same time. Absolutely. But there are ways. Yes. We're finding. Yes. And I think, too, one thing that Annie F. Downs, who's a podcaster, told me that changed my perspective like completely on this topic is she said that people who work with their mind Sabbath with their hands. And people who work with their hands Sabbath with their minds. And so I, as someone who runs an operate or a marketing company, I'm on my computer a lot. And so I fall into the work with my mind category. And so when I Sabbath, I'm like, let's go do something. Let's I'll wash dishes while you watch, you know, you do TV. Like I'm, my hands have to be moving because I don't want my mind to be thinking too much. And my spouse and my dad and my brother are the exact opposite, right? All day they're doing outside stuff with their body. And to teach them how to Sabbath with their mind and how to give their body a rest and to engage and interact with their brain has been such a conversation. One, am I helping cultivate that enough? Am I allowing, I don't love TV, to be honest, but that seems to be a very easy way for them to get their mind engaged. And also, how do we, as a family Sabbath, in a way that works for everyone? And that's not a conversation we have as farmers and ranchers, really. Hey, ladies, are you looking for a way to gain confidence when it comes to working cattle? This summer, we're hosting the first ever She's a Hand Ranch Camp in Montana. Our goal is to create a low-stress environment for you to learn the skills you're expected to know, but never taught. You can join us on either May 25th through 29th or July 28th through August 2nd. Each camp is limited to 15 spots, so don't wait. You can grab your ticket today at the link in the show notes. We hope to see you there. It really isn't. And I find, yeah, I love that comment about our minds and our hands because it's so true. My husband is a goer and he's always on the move. Even with what he's going through, he's always on the move. So when we joke that he's a rabbit because the minute his feet stop moving and his butt hits the ground, he's out. Like there's just go or no, there's nothing else in between. And I am, I'm opposite of that. I mean, my mind is always going, even though I'm physically working, feeding or doing, my mind is always thinking of a hundred different things. And so for me, the Sabbath is to be able to somehow shut my mind off. And that's, that's a challenge for me, but I'm working on it. Sometimes, honestly, feeding cows is the best way for me to Sabbath because I'm just in the moment. I can't multitask and think of others. I mean, I can, but you know, it's not the constant barrage of everything. It's just peaceful for me. I love love the the slower pace of feeding cows in the winter. I look forward to it a lot because come spring, there won't be anything slow. Yeah, absolutely. You talked a little bit about having a trucking company. Yep. And I what you said is to increase income, right? And I think that that is a lot of the position that farmers and ranchers are at. They either are have a side gig in some capacity or they are worried about revenue. And so if you don't mind, share a little bit about what that trucking company kind of looks like, how it supports the ranch, and also maybe how you guys came to the conclusion that that was the right avenue to put your resources into. Well, my husband was trucking when we first got married. Um, he was trucking for someone else. So I calved out cows by myself and he would go trucking. And then it just as the kids got older, he stayed home more. But then as our son got old enough, we decided 
for all three of us to remain on the ranch, we were going to need to diversify even more. And so what we do, we started, I've got to think how many years ago now, seven, maybe right in there years ago, we started back into the trucking business and made it an LLC. So it was separate from the ranch. And Dustin is our oldest son, and he's predominantly the driver for it. Mike will help every now and then. But uh, we do cattle. He does pretty much cattle. Sheep, if he has to. He doesn't really like to haul sheep. Cattle, sheep, grain, gravel, uh, hay. He doesn't like hauling hay a lot, but he will haul anything. But he's kind of, I like what it is. It allows him flexibility because he hauls mostly local. He's got a few people that are you know, always calling him for stuff. The fall cattle runs busy and then he'll have another run at a certain times, you know, it's just that way, but he can still be on the ranch helping at the busiest seasons that we need him. And it's been really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing, one of the reasons why I really believe that women need to be involved in operations is because of creativity and because of tweaking the way we look at things and women's minds just work differently than men. And One of the things that I have really encouraged people is to think outside the box a little bit and how can you increase revenue with the resources or the skill set that you always have. And I think the best example is like a mechanic. We all know those operations where they have someone in their family that's just so mechanically inclined. And then there's other operations like ours where... If we had to mechanic to save our life, we would be meeting Jesus because we just are not good at that. And we oftentimes think about increasing revenue in very traditional ways, right? The most common right now is building a farm to table business. And I always say, why don't you go and work on equipment? If you're really mechanically inclined, give one day of the week where you allow your neighbors to hire you because it might take you an hour to do a tune-up and it takes us eight hours. And so there is some trade-off in the time spent. And we often, that's not something we think about, right? And we don't think about adding revenue in unique ways. And I can only imagine, especially as it being a separate LLC, that trucking company really gives you guys, one, some flexibility. Two, it probably gives you true numbers about you know, you hauling your cattle and what you need price-wise. And and it really adds this dimension that I think overall probably helps your business plan tremendously. It, it does. And it helps us. I, I think as ranchers, we're not often, at least we weren't, we were really young when we started super business-minded. You know, we just worked and you kind of hope the business would fall into place kind of thing. And with running an actual business business, not that, tra- I mean, ranching is a business, but you know what I'm saying? Something like an LLC, We've had to learn to dot our our I's and cross our T's and do all that. And it's really helped us do a better job on the ranch of looking like, is this really working for us? Or are we just holding on to it because it's what we've done? Is this really working for us? Like not just financially, but time-wise and that. And and I'm a huge believer in diversifying and, and the way we have diversified over time I don't know that we would have done in the beginning, but as we have grown um, as, as human beings, but also as ranchers, we learned, okay, this might not be the easiest thing to do, but it will get us through this season. Like like you said, with the mechanicking, both of my guys are thankfully extremely mechanical because I'm not, and they can fix anything. And if we need to do, you know, my husband took that trucking job in the beginning because we had to, we had no, no other income really at the time, other than we were taking in cattle and calving out cattle for people. And it was kind of a hard road to start. But if we hadn't used those, 
things that he had. I had no college degree. I mean, there weren't a little, we lived 30 miles from the nearest little tiny town. There was no job that I was going to equal what he could make. So use his talents. And then I could use my talents on calving out cows. So, you know, it worked really well for both of us. I like that, what you said about using your talents. Um, I mean, there's no point in reinventing a wheel. Yes. And we try to do that in agriculture a lot. And also we have this stigma that if you drive a truck in the busy season, you're not a rancher. And that is absolutely not true. And just because you fit in into the equation at different times. And also you guys went from supporting two people to now your kids coming back. You have to increase the revenue there. I mean, there's no choice. Exactly. And the thing is about my son that's driving truck, you know, he hauls for a lot of ranchers and one comment, one of them made this, they called us to thank us for doing such a good job. You know, that you've, you've raised him right. We want to just tell you what a good job he does. And you can tell he's a rancher. We have a lot. And I'm, I love truckers. I have a huge heart for truckers, but they said, you know, we're really glad you can tell he's a rancher. He knows how to handle livestock. It's not just a job for him. He's taking pride in his work. And that really made us feel really good that they took the time to call us with that. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about how your family dynamics work in having, working alongside your spouse, right? Which already has some conflicts for some families. And so how did the dynamics of your family work a little bit and what things you guys have learned throughout this lifetime of ranching that people can potentially try to implement and save some of that conflict that we know happens when you work with family? Uh, The biggest thing I would say over and over and over again is to communicate. And I know it's not always easy, but it's what I've preached to my daughter-in-laws and it it is a big deal. My grandma gave me some advice early on. If it's going to matter in five years, hash it out. If it's not, let it go. And I live by that. Like if it's going to matter, we're going to figure this out. I'm, I, I try not to like holler and scream about it, but you know, I don't, I want to be involved and I've always wanted to be involved. I, I go to the bank. I always, even when I didn't understand what we were doing, I still was there to learn because I wanted to be involved. So that doesn't mean every other woman has to do that though. If that's not what you want to do, I understand everybody should take their role and in their season. Like when our kids were little tiny babies, it was a different season than I'd ever experienced. And it was hard. It was really hard for me to that season, but be as involved as you possibly can and communicate the best you can. Sometimes that's going to be hard. Sometimes that means walking away for a minute, collecting yourself and coming back to have that conversation because working cows with each other. And and if you think cows is hard, try working sheep together. It's a whole new level. Trust me, especially when your husband doesn't like sheep, you have to learn to communicate. And part of that is communicating that Mike and I don't like working sheep together. So we're on opposite ends. The kids and I work well together, or one of my other boys works well with Mike. We separate. He's up on the front end deworming sheep. I'm on the back end bringing and loading. We know not to work sheep side by side together. So learning what works for you and then respecting each other's boundaries, huge. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is like, don't be afraid if communication looks like an agenda. Like if you have to write it down, the topics you're going to cover, the order in which you're going to cover. And I think, again, these little infusions of corporate America, there's no corporate America business meeting that doesn't start with an agenda. And so if you feel like you need to make an agenda or put it on the calendar, there's no right or wrong way to communicate. And I think we get caught up in this cycle of, well, we'll just hash it out over dinner or 
And it's like, that might not work for your family. Like you might literally have to put on the calendar business meeting with my husband every Wednesday from eight o'clock to nine o'clock. No one can miss it no matter what. And we have to be okay being different in order to accomplish the same goals. Do you have a fall or spring production sale? On March 26th, April 23rd, and 25th at 7 p.m., we're hosting our annual production sale classes. This year, we're going to be covering the importance of investing in your future and what that looks like. Caroline will teach you strategies to create content that will impact your marketing structure for years to come. Don't wait. These classes are limited to the first 100 people to sign up. You can sign up now at krosecompany.com backslash seedstock dash class. Like a calendar doesn't work with my husband. Like we put all the trucking dates just so he can see it. He is not good with any of the calendar stuff. So I have learned as, and I am a calendar person. I have all the notebooks, all the stuff. So it's been a hard, a really hard adjustment over the years to learn that he's not going to look at a calendar. He's just never half time. He doesn't know what he's doing this afternoon. You know, he's a fly by the seat of his pants, but I have to stop him, grab him and say, okay, I've already scheduled this. I'm letting you know that we are bang vaccinating calves on this day. You need to know to not schedule something else. And I just have to stop him. And so you're right. Everybody's is different. Calendars are not going to work for my husband. And it was hard, but we figured it out. Yeah. And it looks different, right? And then as you bring in your boys and their families, some of them probably have, you have a daughter-in-law, you said, so she might live and die by her calendar. And so what's the happy medium? You know, maybe it is a weekly meeting that says, just a reminder, here's everything happening this week. It's verbal, it's on a calendar. And I think if your operation looks identical to your neighbors, there is room for growth. I think that we have to be okay being different also by doing the same thing. And that's really where I success allows itself to present. It can't look the same. Every family is different. Every operation is different. Well, one of the things I've found in the ranching world, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen it too, is there is a lot of comparison. We tend to compare ourselves to other ranches and how they're doing it. And I think there's there's good parts of that because we can learn from it. Oh, this is working really well for them. It looks like I should ask them about that, you know, and, and share that. But at least in our part of the world, ranching sometimes, even though we're very neighborly, can also be very private. Like, this is how I'm doing it. People keep it pretty close to them. I think as ranchers, we would do ourselves a really good service to stop judging how other people are doing things and try to figure out why they're doing it and could it benefit us. Absolutely. One thing I always say is when you're looking at your neighbor, I get this a lot when I bid on people's calves, right? They'll say, well, my neighbor got two bucks. And I'm like, okay, so did you buy the exact same? Did you share bulls with your neighbor? Do you have the same cows? Do you have the exact vaccination program? Did you start calving on the exact same day and in calving on the exact same day? Is your I mean, all these things. And they'll say, no, no, no. And we seem to compare apples to oranges and expect them to be apples to apples. And we forget their whole ranch might be paid off or they might have had a great uncle die and give them $10 million. They don't really care about the profit on their calves. Like we have zero idea. And yet we want it to be apples to apples, but it's actually apples to oranges. That is so good. It's so true. Yeah, I've seen that so much. And and ranching and dog trialing and trucking. It, it's, I think it's human nature to do that. But if we can fight against it, we will do so much better. 
Oh, I absolutely agree. One thing you talked about is calving cows, and I've never had this conversation on the podcast, but I know in our family, my sister-in-law, like if we're calving cows, we want her involved, and she stays home with my niece and nephew, and so she's not actively involved. Besides if we're calving a bunch of cows, like we bring her in. There is something about the way women calve cows that is different than men, and you said that's a job you like and you do. What do you think that is? Why do you think that as women, that might be an area that a lot of women exceed in? And why do you think that is? My husband actually said this one time about women in general, about um, calving, uh, haying, a lot of things, whatever we're doing, that we're very observant. We catch things early on. You know, with running sheep, they're different than cows in a lot of ways. And one of the ways is that by the time a lot of people notice they're sick, they're already dead. Um, it's And that's why women actually, I feel a lot of women run sheep and do a really good job with them is because we notice when something's just a little off way before it becomes a problem. And and with cows and calving cows, we're gentler, as a, at least in my family. I'm, I'm quite a bit gentler than my guys. And, and the cows respond to that differently. So... I think that has always helped. Right now, we don't calve the same way as we did 30 years ago. Things have changed so much in 30 years on how we calve. And it's really nice, actually. I like the change. But we used to have to run things through the barn quite a bit because we calved earlier in the winter. And in South Dakota, that's pretty tough to do this early. We used to calve in February, and it was cold and hard. And now we, we've moved back to the middle of April, and pretty much everything calves outside unless there's problems. It's really nice. Yeah, I think what you said about being gentler and being observant, being more sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad says that he feels that women are better with emotion. Like they think about, especially with employees, like how is this going to land? How are they going to feel about this comment, this decision, this reaction? And my dad said, men just, a lot of men just don't think like that. They're more, they just don't really add that into their thought process. And so my dad has always really appreciated. He'll say like, okay, we have to bring this up with an employee. How how do you think they're going to feel about this? And it's a touchy subject because I always say you can't control how they react, but you can control and make decisions based on knowing there's feelings involved. And I think that's why women play such a vital role on ranches. I think we forget. It's like the, that's human nature, right? To be gentler, but it does make a big difference. I mean, if it saves a calf every season and you've been doing this for 30 years, that adds up. (laughs) It does. It does. And I'm really blessed. My dad is a veterinarian and he raised four daughters. And so, you know, we were always taught from the time we were little that, you know, we could do anything. So there was nothing we couldn't do. So we weren't fearful to try it. We would just get out and whatever it was. And dad was pretty supportive of all that. And I'm blessed that way. My dad always says, wow, your brain thinks so differently. I never would have considered that. And I take that as a compliment, just the way that I'm designed. I was like, well, that's the exact place I went to. (laughs) That's awesome. Dads are good, aren't they? Absolutely. So talk a little bit about kind of what it looks like now when you have kids back. What are some things you hope the next few years look like in your guys' family in some ways that you hope you're going to set the ranch up differently for your boys's generation? Well, I would love before our time is done that the ranch is actually paid off because, you know, we started from scratch. Uh, But part of that, and we actually just had that discussion again today, 
is we are not as set up um, in a way that you can just give the ranch to the kids. That's not actually a possibility for us because retirement is the ranch. But what we are now looking into doing is making our oldest, who is the one who works actively with us on the ranch, a partner in the ranch. He's been buying and, and running cattle for a couple of years. And so we're just now, we've started working with our banker to make this happen so that we actually become legal partners in this. So if something would happen to Mike and I early, it just is a smoother transition, you know, for Dustin to just go on with. And then our youngest son actually, and his wife and our, our grandson live, it's only about 12 miles as the crow flies. It's my dad's old place. They bought my dad's ranch. And so we run cows over there, but we are separate ranches. They have their ranch. We have our ranch. And then we run his cows in the winter. He runs some of our cows in the summer. And so that one's a little separate. So it's easier. But setting it up for the future is so maybe they don't have to have quite as hard a go is what I would love. But I also don't want to hand it to them on a silver platter. I think that tends to cause people to lose it, to be perfectly honest. I've, I've seen it happen time and time again. Yeah. And I hope a conversation that you guys are having is, and again, we just, the conversation before this was exactly about this, is how do we make it so that our kids' generation, so my generation, your boys' generation, that the ranch is possibly not their retirement? And is there mm-hmm. a way that we can start to incorporate retirement savings and it look a little bit different? Because it is a lot of pressure. You're feeling that. My parents are feeling it. And That was not something that was talked about between my grandpa and my dad. They never sat down and said, okay, so we should be having retirement accounts because it just was like, well, this is our assets. When something happens to us, we'll pass it on. And I think there is the opportunity to kind of say, okay, we're realize we're in this situation. We're going to make it a little bit easier, you know, for you as best we can. But for your kids, how can we really change the game? And I think that just knowing that and having that conversation as a family is going to be so powerful for your legacy to continue. Well, and one of those uh, outsourcing things that I think is so important, our youngest son is also a doctor in our little town, and he's been working with a financial advisor, something I would have never dreamed of. Like, I don't need a financial advisor. I don't know what, I don't even know what I talked to him about, but he has recommended it to us because they, they're already working on his retirement and he's 26. It's hard to imagine you know, being in that spot. But he's, he said, you really need to talk to this guy and get set up because he's already set up where he could retire like at 40 and just ranch for the rest of his life easily. And I couldn't have even imagined that at 26. I mean, I just couldn't even fathom that idea. And so I'm really excited for him. But I also, it makes me want to do better for the three of us that are here on our ranch so that we have something and that our grandkids have something down the road. And so it doesn't just end here. That's what I'd like. Yeah. One of those things that I think we could pull and implement into farm and ranches is having those kind of additional people who, whether it be a CFO who looks over the books and advises, whether it be an HR consultant, that's something we don't talk a lot about, but I have an unemployment audit coming up and I probably shouldn't say that because it's already nightmarish, but it's not like I could have a full-time HR person and how many ranches the handbook might not be legal or all of these things. And so there is so many great experts out there and it doesn't look like having someone full-time like it used to. I think COVID really opened our eyes to that, right? And you can have a team that plays big roles in your business that you pay an hour a month. I mean, we're not talking 
you know, even tons of time that can come in and support HR, support your books, support the overall financial picture. I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can use our time more wisely, which is where we started. Yeah. And it all comes back to time, no matter how you spend it or use it, it, it is, it's the only thing truly that you control. So use it wisely. Absolutely. What are some things you are looking forward to as you guys transition and free up a little bit more time in your schedule? Oh my gosh. I'd love to travel actually a little bit. My cat's a sister in Alaska and I, I used to travel a lot as, as a kid because my dad did embryo transfer in cattle and so and he was a pilot and, and a veterinarian. So we flew all over and did cattle work all over and I traveled a lot as a kid and we just have not done anything like that. I think we've traveled twice since I've been married in 30 years, you know, we just don't go. I would like to do a little bit of that. Great. Not a lot. I mean, I've broken enough bones that sleeping in different beds is hard, but. <laughs> it is, but you want to make, why you have the time and why you're able to be able to see other places. I think it's important. Yeah. I think you'll take some stuff back to the ranch, no matter where you go. You'll say, oh, look at this. I learned this. Exactly. I saw this. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. This has been a great conversation. Do you have any words of wisdom that you would like to offer either first generation producers or producers who are coming back to maybe a family operation and they just kind of have this hunger to do things a little differently than the generation did before them? Learn. Learn as much as you can. You'll have to learn to leave some things behind in the process. That's always, you know, as you take things in, this isn't going to work for me. I'm going to leave it. But you're better off to take it in and leave it than to never learn it in the first place. So whatever that means, like our our oldest son is taking some online courses in animal nutrition and and science and that kind of stuff. And it's good. It's good to bring in new ideas. New ideas help stimulate us and challenge us and do better. And the thing now is education is at our fingertips. There is podcasts, there's audiobooks. I mean, even compared to 10 years ago, you can learn so much just in your commute from your house to the sale barn or your house to the grocery store, if you just dedicate some time to being intentional about learning, I mean, people say all the time, I don't have time. And I said, well, did you turn on the radio? You got time to turn on a podcast. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I'm a, I'm a bit of a podcast junkie, yeah. so that's not fair to say, but my, my older son is the same way. He's always learning. And I just think it's really important to keep our minds growing and learning. It's just good for us as human beings, let alone ranchers. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you tell everyone where they can follow you um, on social media? We didn't really even talk about that much, but where can they follow you on social media and connect with you guys? My website's the easiest. It's laurahicks.org. And that will have all my social media sites. We don't have a lot of ranch stuff on social media. Most of mine is just sharing our daily life, but it's also because I write and blog and YouTube and stuff like that. So try to share that, but you can find all those sites at laurahicks.org. Great. Thank you so much for being here. I really love following you guys and seeing what you're doing and I appreciate your wisdom. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thanks again for listening to the Cattleman You podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember, the grass is greener where you water it.